I was on a weekend away in my early 20s, um, uh, and uh, it came to a time of prayer ministry. I was quite new to prayer ministry. I was quite new to the, um, the spiritual gifts and things like that that we've been hearing about, the gifts of the Spirit. And, um, but I was there and uh, uh, responding to God and ready to receive prayer. And um, someone came up to pray with me. I later realized it was um, a person, Sandy. If you were here last week, uh, you will have heard Jeff mention that he was prayed for by this guy, Sandy, who, um, and, and suddenly he received the gift of tongues and started speaking in tongues. And um, Anyway, Sandy was praying for me, and um, uh, what was really weird and really exciting and kind of cool and kind of scary all at the same time was what was happening is I was being prayed for. It was like there was this, this scene going on in my head, this movie going on in my head. And in this scene, um, there was like me and there was... There was God, basically, this Father God figure. And it, uh, there was this point in the picture that was going on, like the movie that was going on in my head. It's just a way God sometimes, I've learned now, God sometimes speaks to me. Um, uh, there was this moment where God, in the thing, put his hand on my lips, like this. He just put his hand towards my mouth. Uh, and the moment after that had happened in my head, Sandy put his hand on my lips. And he went like this, and he said, Mike, I believe God's giving you gifts, gift to speak to other people about me, to preach my word to other people. And I was like, that's pretty cool. How do you do that? Um, and then a moment later, in my mind's eye, I felt God put his hands on my ears. And you know what? A moment later, Sandy put his hands on my ears and said, Mike, I think God's giving you a gift to hear his voice. And I was like, Wow, this is pretty cool. How do you know that? Um, I, I, I hadn't experienced that before. And he carried on praying, and it carried on going. And by the end, I was, I was really moved, as you'd expect. It felt like a really significant moment. Actually, I look back on it now as a really significant moment in my calling to church leadership. And I remember, um, I kind of described this to Sandy afterwards. I was like, how did you know? And he was like, I, I didn't. I just felt prompted by God and did what he asked me to do. And, and it, Karen Gray, he kept putting in hand different things, appropriately, but different hands, that God was speaking to in that picture. How did he know? It started a journey for me, exploring, trying to learn more, earnestly desiring, as Paul asked us to in this passage, earnestly desiring these spiritual gifts. Because I thought, one, that's pretty cool. Two, it's really useful. It's really powerful. And I started experiencing God speaking to me and through me for other people and other people praying for me more and more as I searched and hungered after as I earnestly desired these gifts. Uh, this morning, as we look at the sort of second part of this, there's a few key things that I want us to understand, uh, a few key things that I want us to do in response or suggest that we do. Um, uh, I, I've learned a lot from a guy called Andy Stanley, and uh, one of the things I've learned is he, he can give some very helpful structures in, in preaching, and he asks these questions, and I'm just going to share the answers to these questions for this morning's talk. You can see my working, effectively, um, before I even get there. He asks these questions. He says, um, my, to try and stir and clarify for the preacher, what are the really important things that people need to know and do and understand from your talk? So the questions that I'm trying to answer for us today is, what do they need to know? Mike, what do they need to know? Uh, why do they need to know it? Why is it important? What do they need to do? And why do they need to do it? 
What will change? What will shift? What could happen if they do do those things? Uh, and how are they going to remember it? And I'm not sure I've answered all of the questions brilliantly or perfectly, but I'm going to give it a go. The first question is, what do they need to know? Uh, and the thing I think I feel that God wants us to know about spiritual gifts this morning is they're not luxuries, they're essentials. Now, uh, last week I was on holiday. I was on a break in North Devon. And on the Thursday afternoon, we, um, it was the second time actually, we borrowed the Barnet Sea Kayak. Can we have a picture of Joy in the Sea Kayak? There we go. And we were, we were preparing to go out to sea. The waves were actually quite choppy. They were quite big. Um, so we kitted it all out. But she wasn't going to get very far there. We had to actually launch out into water. That's Joy, my middle daughter. Um, and uh, eventually we did. I think the next picture, there we are, out at sea. Um, and we had a great paddle out in the, in, in, the, in, the, in the waves. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But then after we'd um, packed everything up, we got a bit tired and wet and um, everything else. And uh, we got the boat back on the roof. We went a little walk up the, um, up the valley to the best tea cottage in the world. It just is the best tea cottage in the world. It is the most beautiful setting. Its scones are warm. The portions of clotted cream and strawberry jam are very generous. The teacups are perfect. It, it honestly is amazing. And uh, so we had tea, um, we had a lovely um, cream tea there. But I think uh, the reason I tell you that story is not just to make you jealous, or uh, there are going to be scones this afternoon at the newcomer's tea, but um, it's not just a plug for that. It's to say, actually, that I think uh, for some of us, it may be that you're here and it's the first time really you're hearing about spiritual gifts. You don't know what to make of it, and you think it's a bit weird. Well, honestly, it, it's not weird. The weird thing is that we do actually believe that God is real here. <laughs> if you believe that God is real and who he says in the Bible, that he's our Heavenly Father, that he's real, that he loves us, that it becomes then much more normal to expect that he's going to want to speak to his people and minister amongst them. That, that's, that's, that's to be expected. The big thing is that we believe God's real. If you're here and you're not sure on that, you're really welcome. It's great. But we would love to introduce you to the God who is real and who changes our lives. But anyway, I need to, that was a slight digression. Back to where we are. Um, uh, spiritual gifts. That was it. Oh, yeah. A lot of us um, can see spiritual gifts, even if we've been Christians for years, I think, like clotted cream and scones. They're not essentials. They're luxuries. Some people have them and good for them, but maybe not me. Or maybe once I did, but they're not that important. Why do I need spiritual gifts? Why do I need to earnestly desire or pursue these spiritual gifts? Isn't it just like clotted cream? And frankly, it's not good for my health. Um, uh, you may think, you may be here and you think that clotted cream and scones is an essential in life, and bless you, but I would suggest maybe it isn't. Um, but I also want to suggest that actually spiritual gifts are not like that. Spiritual gifts are more like, if we can have the photo of joy up again, they're more like the paddle and the life jacket. They're essentials, not luxuries. Now, as we went out with Joy, me and my brother-in-law, Ali, uh, the waves were quite big, and we aren't the most experienced kayakers, and we had Joy in the boat. And um, it was the only time it happened. We took on most of the cousins out, but it was the only time it happened. It happened to happen with Joy. Uh, we capsized. Uh, just at, I don't know what happened, but right mo wrong moment, wave, both padding, wrong direction, and we capsized. And she went in. She was incredibly brave. She was absolutely fine. But I tell you what, that life jacket became essential, not a luxury. The paddles to get us back to shore were essential. They weren't a luxury. And I want to say in the Christian life, what keeps you afloat is what Jesus has done for you. If you become a Christian, you're on that boat. 
and you can be fired. You can get to heaven without ever speaking in tongues. You can get to heaven without ever having a prophetic word for someone. You can get to heaven without any of these spiritual gifts. But I don't know why you'd want to. They're paddles and they're life jackets. They're essentials. These paddles, these spiritual gifts, can give our Christian discipleship purpose and direction. They can help in difficult times to get us back to shelter. They can also, like life jackets, equip us to help save other people who might be in danger of drowning out there in the world. These are paddles and these are life jackets. They're essentials. They're not luxuries. For any Christian disciple who is actually called, commissioned by Jesus, and you are at your moment of reception of faith and of your baptism, if you are called and you're commissioned by Christ, given his heart of compassion for the world, then these gifts suddenly become not luxuries, but essentials. And I would want to suggest, for me, for all of us, to be honest, um, but for me as well, um, that there are times that perhaps we've seen them as luxuries and not essentials. And I think that might come from a couple of places. One place that it could come from is that actually we've got a little too, little too um, acquainted with the shore rather than the sea. Our discipleship has become a little bit cream tea instead of sea kayak and waves. A little less a little more sanitized and a little less radical and adventurous. And so we don't realize that these things are essential. That you wouldn't go, if you're going out into the world, to, you wouldn't go without a pattern, you wouldn't go without a life jacket. Or you'd be silly to. So perhaps we've become a little too accustomed to the shore. The second reason you might see them as luxury and not essential is that you, you like me, might need reminding that there are people in danger of drowning. There are people out there in the world who don't know the hope that we, don't ha that we have and who, frankly, in different ways, at different crises and stages of life, actually need help. And we're called to go out there, like, like going out in a lifeboat with extra buoyancy aids, with spiritual gifts, words, and things for people that might call people to life and to safety. I, I don't just say this because it fits with the picture. I say this because I was reminded about it again because I was reading a book last week whilst I was away. And uh, somebody who's written a book uh, about their experience growing up, their testimony and what others can learn from it. It's, it, it's a tough read because it was a really tough upbringing. But there was this moment where this woman, a teenager at the time, depressed, suicidal, uh, had been um, granny-sitting for a neighbor, and the neighbor had come back, and she was about to go home, and she, in this moment of vulnerability, she didn't have anybody else to speak to. She just blurted out to this woman, I'm depressed, I don't know what to do. And this woman, who was a Christian, didn't, in that moment, was given the word that she needed to give to this person. She didn't start with, uh, in this situation, any other advice or anything. She just said, what you need is Jesus. And with that, the teenager, this teenage girl, shot up and ran out of the house and said, you're not getting me, <laughs> and ran out of the house. But for two weeks later, all she could think about was that phrase, what you really need is Jesus. What you need is Jesus. She couldn't get it out of her mind. And eventually she gave in. She said, well, if it is what I need, and if you are real, and if you are there, then come and help. 
And he did. And he turned her life around. And now there's a book that gives glory to God for the healing and restoration that he did in her life. Because somebody had the gift and the presence of mind and allowed the Holy Spirit to speak through them and say, what you really need is Jesus. You know, there are countless people here who are exercising spiritual gifts without even realizing it. They sometimes be more dramatic like that. But I also know, I've heard this so many times at newcomers' teas, at the teas that we're having to get to know the congregations over in our first term here. The number of times I heard something like, I started coming to church. I don't know why I started coming to church. But the reason I kept coming was on the second week, someone remembered my name because I was welcomed well at the door. Because there was someone who was serving me coffee, and they not only served me coffee, but they offered to pray for my family in a moment of crisis. I kept coming because of this or that. Because of people who serve and help and put out the chairs and welcome and create an atmosphere that helps people to feel at home here, that this is a home and a family, and it is a home and a family. And I'm so grateful to so many of you who do those practical tasks, who put out the chairs, who at the end of the service are going to ask me to remember to sign the book and are going to count the money that goes to the mission of God here. Do you know the words in here? Have a glance at your Bible again if you've got it open in front of you. But we sometimes, and forgive us if in the church we've put too high, it's a difficult balance to strike because we want people to earnestly desire the greater gifts to go for all that God's had them. But sometimes I think we can put too much weight on those gifts and too little on verse 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles and prophets, then third teachers, then miracles. Those are the ones that are, seem obvious and more, more clear. Different kinds of tongues. No, sorry, uh, of healing, of helping, of guidance or administration. You don't get many people going, I want the gift of administration. But I thank God that there are people here who do. That word for administration, it can be described as a guidance role, like a key role where you um, look after the tiller of a ship and guide which direction it goes. It was also used um, in the early Greek of people who were basically the treasurer for the church. So, so thank you <laughs> um, to our treasurer and to those who are exercising that spiritual gift. Paul who was sort who wrote this for I think it was 11 or 12 years before he went on any evangelistic mission was the treasurer for the church and made looked after the money and made sure it went to people in need in other churches he played this role this was his spiritual gift before then God released him in other ones as well uh, if you have felt that your gift of service or of helping or of administration or of guidance, of leadership in some way from the back of the boat or from the front has not been recognized, I'm so sorry. It should be honored, like every part of the body and every part of what people play. But we still need to hunger and search and ask for more. These gifts are not luxuries, they're essentials. So what do we need to do? What do they need to know? Um, these are essentials, not luxuries. Why do we need to know it? Well, this is we need to know this so that we don't become comfortable consumers in church, but radical disciples. You see, this is a family, and this is a home, but it's also a hospital, and it's an aircraft carrier. 
And what I mean by that is you are so welcome here, whatever you are going through in life. And I know there are people in this church coming now who've got nothing really to give because they need healing. You're in a great place because you'll be loved here and you'll be prayed for. This is a hospital. But it's also a mission center. It's like an aircraft carrier where you come back from your mission to get refueled, recommissioned, and sent out again. This is not just a place to kick off your shoes and relax all week. We recognize that you're sent from here back into the world. Kevin Turner gave a brilliant sermon a little while ago on working well, how we, the importance of work in our discipleship. He said, we have, if you have a job here and you're fortunate enough to have a job and a salary, he says, you have fully funded mission opportunity right under your nose presented to you every week. You're paid to be where you are, and that's your mission field. It's not about here on a Sunday. It's about the rest of the week, being sent out, empowered by the Spirit as scattered servants of God. That's a, the title of a book I'm reading, which I recommend to you, Scattered Servants. This is why we need to do it, uh, why we need to know it. What we need to do is we need to pray and play. We need to earnestly desire and ask for the gifts, and then we need to play. We actually need to put them into practice. If we can have the first picture up... Um, uh, that I had. This was a game of Pass the Parcel that went on last week. Uh, my nephew was here this morning, actually, at the previous service called William. He was celebrating his fourth birthday, and we had Pass the Parcel. I have a love-hate relationship with Pass the Parcel, um, if I'm honest. I kind of fear the game, because I remember leading it once and getting it all wrong, and within about three minutes, half the children were crying, and then... <laughs> Then the other half started crying because the first half had started crying. And it was a total disaster. Um, basically because I hadn't recognised which child needed which gift at which time. And had left some that needed it quicker to later. Um, and hadn't, hadn't orchestrated the giving of the gifts well enough. And it went very, very wrong. Um, uh, my brother um, got it perfectly right, obviously, last week. Um, and all the kids were happy and it was fine. But the point of putting this up is... Um, if we read our passage, we recognize certain things in this passage, really important things we need to understand. It is God that's the giver of all of the gifts, and he decides who gets what gifts. It's not that everybody gets the gifts, we're, we're complementary. The, the picture of the body, we each have different parts to play, we each have different gifts that are given to us. Are all apostles? Do all work miracles? No. No, you don't. Some people seem to be particularly gifted in one or the other, or have a few, but it's I don't know anybody that has all of the gifts because it's meant to be complementary. We're meant to together be the body of Christ. Everybody gets a gift as God apportions it. That means there's no place for pride because it's up to God which one you've got. And there's also no dishonor. If you think, oh, I've only got the gift of administration. Don't think like that. The church needs that gift. There's no reason not to ask for the gift of prophecy or of tongues or whatever as well as we're told to earnestly desire but treasure that gift. We as a church need to treasure that gift as part of the body of Christ. The second thing we need to recognize about Pastor the Parcel, it is really important that all the children get a gift. And if you're here and you think, still think this is just for special people, these spiritual gifts, that's not what the Bible says. If you have a look at verse 7 of this passage, it says, now to each one, and that means to every one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Each one of you 
has unique gifts that God wants to give you that will give glory to Jesus, that will build up the church, be for the common good for other people, and will expand his kingdom. We'll be looking more at the mission of the Holy Spirit next week and how these gifts can play its part in that as well. But each one of you is gifted. Do you know what your spiritual gifts are? If you're here and you've been coming to church for a while and you do know gifts that God has given you, but you haven't used them in a while, why? We'd love to pray for you for those to be reactivated. I think that was part of what was going on for some people as we prayed at the end of the last service. Something was being reactivated. Or perhaps there was a new gift being given in a new season in their discipleship. The word I had in the worship this morning for this congregation, and it may or may not be of God, um, I, I offer it because sometimes in the past it has been, it might not be, it might just be me, but I had a picture of, um, of leaves falling off a tree like at autumn, and that there might be someone here who feels like that's it, the leaves are falling off, and that's it, and to them it's a picture of death, and the end, and I felt like God saying, it's not, remember it's just part of a cycle, there's a new season coming. Actually, those leaves and what's been in the past, they're to be thanked, God is to be thanked for those things and that life that was and that season of ministry and life. But they need to make way that a new season might bud and grow. So if that is you, we'd love to pray for you at the end. If that speaks to you, if you think, that is how I feel, and I wish I didn't feel like that. We need to ask for these gifts and we need to practice them. We need to play with them. See, the wonderful thing about spiritual gifts, and Sandy again taught me this. He says, look, he said, Mike, if you don't want any of the glory when it goes right, when you have a word or something and, and God seems to answer a prayer or someone's healed, if you don't need to have any of the glory, you also don't need to have any of the pressure. You don't need to feel any of the burden. Because it's all me anyway. So don't try and take the glory and you don't need to have the pressure. Uh, what, if, what if my prayer isn't answered? What if the word isn't, is just me and it's, not, and it's not God? It doesn't matter because you're not after any of the glory anyway. It's all up to him. We get to play. The pressure comes off. But the reason I love to offer these words and pictures is because it could be that it is God. It could be. And what that could unlock in someone's life. I told this story at the first service. It came shortly after that story I said at the start about Sandy being able to speak into my life. I started exploring this, and I went on another weekend away, and I was praying for someone called Jen, I didn't, um, and uh, she was going through a tough time. I didn't know what to pray. Thankfully, there were two other people there who were praying who were much more experienced than me in this kind of thing, and they seemed to know what to pray, so I just let them pray. But as they were praying, I, I had a sense of God saying, after winter, spring must come. Well, I didn't know it was God at that time. I just this phrase, after winter, spring must come. I was like, what's that about? I'm reminded of this story because of that picture I just shared with you about the autumn and the things. But um, after winter, spring must come. I thought, what's that? And I, I thought it was just me, so I just left it. I ignored it and let the pros carry on praying. And I just prayed like, the basic prayer. I just said, come Holy Spirit. <laughs> if you don't know what to pray, you just pray, come Holy Spirit. Because it's him doing it anyway. He knows what he wants to do. And... Um, and so I can't do it, but this phrase wouldn't, keep, wouldn't get out of my head. 
And so eventually, I stumped up the courage to say, I don't know if this means anything, Jen, but um, I've got this phrase, after winter, spring must come. As soon as I did, she just burst into tears. I thought I'd done, my first thought was I'd done something terribly wrong here. Um, uh, this isn't, is this meant to happen? Um, and, uh, but it was good, and it was, by the grace of God, God at work. And afterwards, she told me an extraordinary story I'll never forget. She just said, I don't know, obviously I didn't know this, but um, just before she was born, her mum, I think her mum had lost her, it was either her father or her uncle or something, I can't remember that part of it, but she'd received this card of like condolence, bereavement, that had this phrase in it, after winter spring must come, because they knew she was pregnant, about to expect a new child. And um, what I didn't know, but as Jen was received by her mother after she was born, the first words her mother spoke to her in her life was after winter, spring must come. And I thought, wow. There's no way I could have known that. That didn't solve all of Jen's problems right there and then. She had a journey to go on. But I was like, flipping it. That's pretty cool. And for Jen... She knew in that moment that God was with her. Like nothing I could have said or prayed would have done. She knew that the God who was there on the day she was born was there with her in that moment of suffering and trial. That was what she needed. That was her life jacket. God is calling all of us. I, I, when I had that story and that experience, I was just like, God, give anything you want to give me. <laughs> Give me. Because if, just if, it could do that, I want it. Because that is beautiful. And it might not be as dramatic. God gives us all in different ways. A lot of the time, it is the putting out the chair stuff. But occasionally, it'll be the after winter, spring must come stuff. If we're open to that, if we're listening. What might it look like if we had a whole church gifted and re-gifted and refilled with the spirit that does that kind of stuff? Scattered servants empowered every day, everywhere they go, everyone filled with the spirit of God, sent out into the world to speak life into our community. I'm going to finish with a story before I ask us to um, stand and respond in prayer. This is um, from a book I'm reading at the moment. And um, I literally just read this this morning. I got to this point this morning. And it just seemed a perfect illustration, so I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. This is a, a book. Uh, I've been to the church that this, this is talking about. And actually, when I went to the church um, to learn more about how they do evangelism, how they do um, discipleship and different things, um, there's a church called Causeway Coast Vineyard. Alan Scott used to be the lead pastor there. He's moved on now, actually. It's called Scattered Servants. Uh, they told this story, and then I read it this morning, so I thought, well, maybe this is a story I should share. Um, but this was um, a story about an intern of theirs called Ray. And this was at the start of God leading them in a new season. Um, Ray uh, dropped off a friend at the airport and uh, stopped in at a department store on her way home. After picking up a couple of items, she went to the checkout. When she said good morning to the cashier, the girl commented on her accent. Ray told her that she was from Brazil 
And since we don't have many folks from Brazil and Northern Ireland, the cashier was curious why Ray was in the area. So she told her, oh, I'm part of this team that goes into schools. I'm connected with the Vineyard Church, and I'm here to tell people about Jesus. Do you know Jesus? She replied that she didn't. Ray began to tell her about Jesus and then asked, can I pray for you? And the girl agreed. So Ray prayed for her. And as she prayed, the cashier began to weep until eventually Ray asked, would you like to know Jesus? The girl replied, I'd love to. While a few people milled around the shop, Ray quietly prayed and the cashier opened her life to Jesus. Afterwards, the cashier, who was still crying a lot, said, I'm sorry, I'm not really in any fit state to process your order. Would you mind if I got one of my colleagues to come and do it instead? So she called a colleague over who, upon arrival, asked the obvious question, what happened? Ray told her about the previous conversation, concluding the question, do you know Jesus? The girl said, no, I, I don't. Ray said, well, I'd love to tell you who he is. And she began to describe Jesus to her. Then she asked, would it be okay if I prayed for you? The girl said, yes. As Ray began to pray, she had a picture of the cashier surrounded by all kinds of self-help books. She said, I see that you're reading a lot in self-help and that you suffer from depression. But what you need to know is that Jesus doesn't want you to waste your money on these books anymore. He's the Prince of Peace, and he wants to come and reveal himself to you so that you can save your money and get to know him. At this, the girl started weeping and weeping. Ray said, I can see you're really moved. Just stated the obvious. <laughs> I can see you're really moved. Would you like to know Jesus? And the girl said, I really would. So Ray prayed for her, and she gave her life to Jesus too. Then the cashier said, I'm not really in any fit state to process your order. <laughs> At this point, Ray said she felt both excited and embarrassed because she started to wonder what people around her must be thinking she was saying to upset all these cashiers. <laughs> Undeterred, when the cashier called over a third colleague and the third colleague asked, what happened? Ray just felt excited and blurted out, you want to know what happened? Jesus happened. Do you know Jesus? She's getting more blunt and bold now, isn't she? <laughs> and the girl said, no, I don't know Jesus. So she began to tell her about Jesus and asked, can I pray for you? The girl said, I'd love you to pray for me. I think I'm going to lose my job. I've got a terrible back condition. I've been on work, off work so many days recently. I have a meeting with my manager this afternoon. I think they're going to fire me. Could you pray for that? Ray prayed for her, this time secretly asking, oh, Jesus, please don't let her cry. <laughs> she pray I love how normal it is. She, in some ways, she prayed for her to be healed and that Jesus would reveal his heart to her. Afterwards, the cashier tried moving her back. She was able to bend right over and the pain was significantly improved. She gave her life to Jesus too. Thankfully, this time, she was able to scan Ray's items, process the order, and Ray was finally able to leave the store. <laughs> All because a disciple of Jesus realized that she couldn't stay on the shore and that she had to go out to sea. But she knew she had a paddle and she had a life jacket and she had a question she could ask and she had a prayer she could offer and she knew a Jesus she could share. What would it look like if we grew in our boldness in this kind of thing? What would it look like if this week you asked for a new gift? What would it look like if this week we tried it out. We gave it a go. 
Not needing to take any of the glory if it goes right. So not need to feel any pressure if it doesn't go wrong. You might look a bit silly. But who cares? If it could be that you show someone a life.